Matthew, uh, from chapter 13, verses 44 through 46, and it will be from the NIV version. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field. When a man found it, he did it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Good morning, church. I am grateful for this opportunity to talk today on the parables of Jesus. As we explore the reading from Matthew 13, 44 to 46, I would like to thank the Lord for the gift of his word. And as we think on the hidden treasure and the pearl, may we open our hearts and minds to hear them. As a spiritual leader, Jesus was known as rabbi or teacher. In John chapter 3 and verse 2 says, Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with you. Our Lord did not gain his reputations for wisdom by producing vast volumes of theological writings. He did not proclaim the good news primarily through preaching. Instead, he let his actions speak. In Acts chapter 1, verse 1 and 2 says, In my former book, Theopilos, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Jesus' characteristic way of conveying his message was through sharing parables. These compact and concise little stories about common life Ordinary situation, events, or easily understood situations demanded careful listening of those who heard them. They also invited some decisions making in response to questions the parables tended to provoke. What makes the parables so alluring is that they teach by indirection. They acknowledge that spiritual truth is not something acquired by routine, unthinkingly, or mindlessly. Jesus likely chose the telling of parables as his teaching techniques because it revealed the cooperative nature of faith development. It is when God and listeners work together that the meaning of parables emerges. One can easily imagine the disciples and others having long conversation about the parables they heard. The parables of Jesus will always remain the very center and heart of the teaching of Christ. They summarize what Jesus thought, taught, and lived. They tell us what the good life is and what is the real values of life are. Jay presented to us last Sunday the parable of the sower. This morning, we would look into another parable. It is a brief parable of our Lord, the hidden treasure. This parable is only recorded in the book of Matthew. 
the parable has a companion parable referred to as the pearl of great price. Jay talked about the words of the kingdom. This morning, I will talk how precious the kingdom is. And the title of the sermon is True Values. The main lesson of these parables is the high value of the kingdom and the price man should be willing to give in order to obtain it. But before we move on, I would like to share you two short stories. A well-known rich businessman's wife broke her hip. The businessman got the best orthopedic surgeon in town to do the operation which consisted of lining up the broken hip and putting in a screw to secure it. The operation went smoothly and the doctor sent the businessman a bill for $5,000 for his services. The businessman outraged at high price sent the doctor a letter demanding an itemized list of the cost. The doctor responded to the letter with the following. One piece of his crew, one dollar, knowing how to put it in for 1999 So it's total $5,000. The businessman never argued. A patient called his dentist to inquire about the price of pulling a tooth. $250, the dentist said. The patient was shocked. What? $250 for just a few minutes' work? And the doctor said, I can extract it very slowly, if you like. <laughs> Let's go down to the parables. The parable of the hidden treasure. I would like to read it again. For you. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. When this parable is studied and thought through, several lessons stand out clearly. Three things I prepared, and this is the treasure, the sacrifice, and the joy. Treasure meaning the quantity of precious metals, gems, or other valuable objects. And I tried to search also the synonyms of this word treasure, and it says riches, money, cast or more. Jesus tells us that the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure, that it is a treasure, that it is a most wonderful treasure. Its value is supreme. It is worth everything and every effort. The kingdom is acknowledged as valuable. Many people will confess that they ought to be seeking the kingdom. They know that it offers something that they do not have. Many others will admit that at times the kingdom is of vast value. In time of extreme need, in the midst of days of sickness, and when death draws on, people want Christ and his kingdom to be near. To them, at that time, it is a real treasure. But if the kingdom is valuable once, if it is ever valuable, then it is always valuable. The sacrifice. 
The man who finds the treasure goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. He makes the necessary sacrifice. He knows that things worthwhile are not obtained for nothing. He will pay the price whatever it is. So it should be with every person who seeks the kingdom. If the kingdom is truly a treasure, treasures are not gotten for nothing. The joy. In his joy, he goes and sells all that he has. The word joy must not be overlooked. It is a key to the parable. Because it is significant that the man does not regret selling all that he has in order to get that field. He does not complain about the sacrifice that he has to make. He gave much for the field, but he gets more in return. The pain of parting with his goods is lost in the joy of treasure. This means, this means joy is the kind of joy a person should have when he gives himself to Christ. A man who is genuinely converted does not grudgingly give up the past. He gives up his past life for something better. The Apostle Paul is a good example. In Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7 to 8, he said, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of his surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as refuse, in other translation, rubbish, dung, or garbage, in order that I may gain Christ. These are words of confidence and joy. The joy that he found in Christ far exceeded the joy that he had without him. Let's go to the next parable in Matthew 13, 45 to 46 says, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. In biblical times, pearls were said to be worth three times more than pure gold. There were no cultured pearls and there was no easy way to harvest natural pearls from oyster. In those days, the only way to get pearls was for a man to tie a big rock around his waist, take several deep breaths, dive out of boat and swim down into the oyster bed and quickly gather as many oysters as he could before untying himself from the rock and swimming back to the surface. Most of the time, the oyster divers would come up empty. But on very rare occasions, they might open an oyster to find a beautiful pearl inside. Merchants would travel from one coastal village to another, looking to buy these pearls from the oyster divers with the hope they would discover a pearl of great price that would pay huge dividends to their investments. The pearl in ancient times was a gem of great delight. Pearls are the high value in terms of dollars and cents. In fact, it is reported that Cleopatra had two precious pearls worth $400,000 apiece. Beyond their money value, pearls 
were desired in themselves. Pearl merchants look far and wide for new pearls. Jesus tells us, tells of one of these merchants who spent his life in quest for the perfect pearl and on finding it, sells everything and buys it. There is something about the pearl merchant that is attractive. Here in this man are traits of character that are worthy of imitation. What are the qualities in him that appeal to us and those of which Jesus give his hearty approval? First, he is a man with a definite purpose. He knows exactly where he is going and what he is looking for. His goal is to find the perfect pearl. With this goal, he lives a full and happy life. He pursues his business with dedicated ambition, so it is with us. Too many people today live aimlessly, wandering about without a proper sense of direction. They rob themselves of the joy of living. Second, he is a man with the highest possible purpose. It is not enough with him that he lives a purposeful life, but he has pointed his life in the highest direction possible. He is seeking a priceless jewel. Although he has other pearls, they are not good enough. He cannot be content with second best. He must have the best. He is seeking the values of life that are supreme, and this is precisely what Jesus expects of every man. Some men seek uh, meanness and wickedness. Their thoughts are evil continually, but the majority is not that way. That which threatens most men is the danger of giving themselves trifling things to things in long run that rare of no importance they risk much of the big business of living in search of glittering nothings. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 and 2, sorry, says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above. Where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. The teaching of Jesus condemned this quest for the trivial. He plainly says that the greatest objectives of life is the heavenly kingdom. In Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. All other things, even food and clothing, must be secondary. Matthew 6.25 says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than the clothing? The pearl merchant was in quest of the best. So we must make certain that the quest to which we give our lives is worthwhile. Number three, he is a man who is willing to pay this necessary price for the perfect pearl. Of course, this is to say that he knows values when he sees them. 
He has that rare ability of being able to approve what is excellent. Philippians chapter 1 verse 9 to 10 says, And this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Being a good judge of values, he buys the pearl. He knows that his lifetime of searching would, not, would be in vain unless he buys. He did not simply wish that he had the pearl as some people admire Christianity and wish that they were Christians. Nor did he degrade the pearl value as a worldling makes the light, sorry, as a worldling makes light of the reward of Christianity. Neither did he wait for the price of the pearl to come down at some people tragically that later on in life it will be easier to follow in the footsteps of Christ. No, he asks swiftly. How much do you want for the pearl, he asks. And he is not at all surprised to learn that its price is very great. So he rushes off to sell all his pearls to buy the one pearl. He freely gives up the second best that he must have the best. What did it matter if he had to sacrifice everything? Any? The kingdom of heaven has great value likened into a treasure and a pearl of great price. I prepared here three reasons why. Number one, the kingdom has great value because it is the only place that offers refuse from the power of darkness. Colossians chapter 1 verse 12 to 14 says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of life. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. When God releases slaves or sets prisoners free from the bondage of sin, it is always for the purpose of bringing them into his kingdom. In Titus 2, 13-14, we find the same idea about the Lord. It says, while we wait for the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own. This is what it means to be in the kingdom of God's beloved Son. We are redeemed from bondage of sin, but we also have to remember that God's redemption is also deliverance from God's justice and for God's service. This redemption means forgiveness of sins. We are not only freed from sin's power, but also from sin's penalty. When a person is born again, he enters the kingdom of heaven and set free from the guilt and domain of sin, so that he can serve God. Thank you, Brother Darwin, because he used John chapter 3 about born again. You read it well and explain it well.
but I will read it again. John 3.3 3 says, Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he is old, Nicodemus asked. Surely he cannot enter a second time in his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. I will give an example of what exactly they did in order for them to enter the kingdom of God. In Acts chapter 8, in verse 12, it says, But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God, and in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized both men and women. In Romans chapter 6, verse 17 to 18, says, But thanks be to God that though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. Those outside the kingdom reside in the kingdom of darkness. In Ephesians 2, 1 and 3 says, As for you, you were dead in your transgression and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also live among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Second, the kingdom has great value because of what it contains, what is inside. In Romans chapter 14 verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness involves a right standing in the sight of God through faith in Christ Jesus. In Philippians 3, 9 says, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God by faith. Peace has to do with inner peace that comes from knowing one is right with God. It is a peace that passes all understanding. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Joy is an abiding joy in the Lord regardless of one's circumstances. In Romans 15:13 says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace you as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Apostle Peter explained this also in 4.13, in 1 Peter chapter 4, in verse 13 says, But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. The last one is, the kingdom is valuable because... It is destined to eternal glory. 1 Corinthians 15.24 says, Then the end will come 
when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. In John chapter 10, verse 28 to 30, I give, I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 10, And the God of all grace who called you to this eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And let us hear the advice of Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. In conclusion, here are twin parables that are brief and penetrating. As Jesus tells the two stories, it is clear that he approves of the action of both men. One man accidentally stumbled upon a treasure buried in a field. The other found it only after a long and constant search, the pearl of great worth. Both men made once-in-a-lifetime discoveries, and each man gladly exchanged everything he owned in order to buy the object of his devotion. Our Lord Jesus points to this man and says, These men know how to use life. They know what is really worthwhile. To our visitors and friends, refuse, spiritual blessings, and a destiny in glory make the precious kingdom a true treasure chest worth finding. Brethren, this is a matter of greatest comfort and consolation that can be to all true believers. How happy are those that are spiritual merchants who seek goodly pearl and have found the pearl of great price. Thank you.